Greetings and welcome to Shnayim Mikra, the podcast series developed and sponsored by the Orthodox Union, hosted here at OU.org. In each one of these podcasts, we read, translate, study, analyze, and discuss one of the aliyot of the current week's parasha. My name is Yitzchak Et Shalom, and I'm delighted to be studying Parashat Ki with you. And we are now about to study the fifth aliyah, which begins at the end of chapter 23, Parak Chaf Gimel Pasuk Chaf Hei, chapter 23, verse 25, and we'll continue into the beginning of chapter 24 of Sefer Devarim. Kitavo Becherem Re'echa, if you go into your fellow's vineyard, V'achalta Anavim Kenafshecha, you can eat as much grapes as you want, and you can have shechas solvecha as much as is your fill. Vel kelyecha lo titain, but you can't put them into your pouch. Now, what's this talking about? They can't be talking about just you can walk into somebody's vineyard, eat whatever you want. So we understand that this is talking about a worker, and this is a particular right of a worker who is working during harvest season to eat whatever he would like of the material that he's working on, and only bishat kamar malacha, meaning at a time at which. Uh, the harvest is ripe. You can't be going there to prune stuff or to clean it up or to put insecticides down and eat. It has to be harvest time. And then he can eat whatever is his fill, but he cannot store anything. And this is now not talking about anim, poor people coming to collect leket. These are workers. If you come into the stalks of your friend, you can grab uh, stalks into your or pieces that you pulled off into your hands, but you cannot pick up the scythe on it. Since whatever you can grab in your hand is yours for your own eating. Now, we enter into a very short piece which carries with it the foundations of uh, perhaps the most significant institution in our social environment, which is marriage. Uh, all the laws of Kiddushin and Gitir are learned from this short piece, which is really only there because of a tangential prohibition. Ki ikach ish isha, if a man should take a woman, uve'ala, and have relations with her. V'haya im lotim sachein meinav, if she, if he doesn't like her. Ki we're gonna go back over these psukim with the halachic interpretation. But if he finds something untoward about her, or inappropriate about her, then v'chatav la sefer kritut, now, at this point, it's not read as, this is what he should do, but if he does this, if he writes a writ of separation, v'natan biyadan, puts it into her hand, v'shilcham veto and sends her away, v'yatsam veto again, this is all con- the, the, con- the contingency, this is if this happens. If she leaves his house, v'alchav ishacher, and she goes, marries another man, and the other man doesn't like her either. And it repeats the formula. Here, the second guy doesn't have to not like her. He can just die. That he took her as a wife because it's all setting up the following scenario. A man divorced his wife. She was married to another man and now she is no longer married to that man for either reason. She wants to return to him. Her original husband cannot go back and take her back. To be his wife. She has become defiled. Now why was she defiled? She did a perfectly legitimate thing. She's married to one man. He divorced her. She married another man. That other man wasn't a Kohen. Perfectly fine. We'll see. This is all an abomination before God. Again, try to understand why. 
do not make the land sin, or do not foul or pollute the land, that God gives you as an inheritance. And that's the end of the Aliyah. It's very short. Um, what is it that, that's going on here? So first of all, the larger picture. The problem involved in Machzir Grushato, in a man marrying a woman, and then divorcing her, and she marries somebody else, and then to come back to the original man, is clearly because of a concern of what we, in contemporary terms, would refer to as wife swapping. A man is married, another man is married, and they say, you know what, let's try the other wife for a year. And they divorce their wives, they go, then after a year later they come back. The Torah is putting a block up and not allowing that, and making it very clear that if you divorce your wife, there's not there's no coming back. Now, in most cases, there is coming back, and we know of many cases where people get divorced, and they reconcile and they remarry. But there's two conditions there. Condition one is that the husband's not a Kohen, and the second condition, of course, is that she didn't marry anybody in the meantime. If she did, then hands off. Which means, therefore, a husband is going to have another pause before, in his anger or whatever reaction he has, he divorces his wife, knowing that this may, this may not be fixable. Okay, now looking, looking at the specific issues here. First of all, ki kach ishisha. A literal read of this seems to indicate that you grab a woman. And the woman's intent or consent is not needed here. Nothing can be further from the truth halachically. Marriage needs the consent of both parties. However, even textually, that's not what it means. The Ritva points out in his commentaries on Masachat Kiddushin that the word ki yikach, used here in the Pasuk, uh, doesn't necessarily mean in Tanakh language, does not necessarily mean to grab or to take. It could also mean to coax. And the example of that is in Parshat Pinchas, when Hashem says to Moshe, come on up and die, and the Moshe turns to him and says, first, you need to appoint somebody who's going to be the leader of my place. What does Hashem say to him? Kachet Yoshua. Take Yoshua. And what does Rashi say? Kachenu bidvarim. Take him with words. Tell him how wonderful it is and what an honor it is to be chosen to be the next leader. And by the way, the same thing appears when it says Kachet Aharon. When Moshe is going to do the investiture of Aharon back in Parshat Sav. And again, Rashi says, Kachenu bidvarim. Tell him how wonderful it is. Talk him into it. So, Vekikach Ish Isha. I mean that a man talks to a woman and convinces her that she should be married to him, and she agrees. And by the way, that's why Kiddushin always demand some sort of a verbal expression, and it's not enough for a man to just hand a ring over to a girl and nod. There has to be some verbal expression. There is the Machloket, Rabbi Yosef, Rabbi Yehuda, if they're talking about marriage, and then he gives her the ring or the, the item without specifically saying, Rabbi Gudesh, is it valid? We pass on like Rabbi Yosef that it is valid, but notice they have to be talking. <coughs> there has to be some discussion, and it has to clearly be her consent. Okay. Kikach ishisha uve'ala, and from that we learn that one of the the, uh, the acceptable methods of Kiddushin Mito Araita and according to the first version in the Rambam and Sefer Mitzvot, the only uh, Kiddushin Daoraita is Bia, is relations. Later that gets expanded in an earlier version of the Mishnah Torah to Shtar. And ultimately in the final redaction of the Mishnah Torah, the Rambam says all three methods, including Kesef, are Daoraita. Kikach ish isha uviala, vaya imlotim If she, he doesn't like her, kimatsav ervatavar. And that leads to a very famous machloket, <coughs> between Beit Shemayin Beit Hillel, 
at the very end of Masachet Kitin, what are justifiable uh, reasons for divorce, Beit Shammai says it's only adultery, because Matzah Ve'er It has to be that he found that she was uh, not faithful to him. Beit Hillel says a far, far more lenient position, which is any davar, meaning anything he finds, it's unacceptable, even um, if she uh, overcooks his food, meaning they're just not getting along. Then what happens? He has to write a writ of separation, and it has to be absolute separation. There cannot be a, a separation with all sorts of things that keep them tied together, like uh, you're divorced, but you still have to come to uh, this place once a year and do this particular act. That's not kritut. You have to have absolute kritut. That's not talking about the couple's continued investment in their children, but as far as relationship to each other has to be an absolute clear cut. Vinatan biyadai has to give it to her hand, which means that she has to, first of all, accept it, and second of all, it has to be in some way given into her reshut. Vishilcha mimeto, he has to send her away from his house. By the way, the word vishilcha used here twice, the way that it's written, uh, is the source for the whole notion of shlichut, of agency when it comes to gitin, and then to kiddushin, and that's expanded out, and that's of course the sugya at the beginning of the second parak of Masachet Kiddushin. I think you'll notice that in this series of podcasts in Kitetzei, I have invoked the Gemara far more than in any of the other series, and as I mentioned in the opening podcast of Kitetzei, Kitetzei is the, the densest parsha that we have as far as mitzvot, and it is the richest as far as preparing oneself to learn Gemara, one's familiarity with Parsha Kitetzei is absolutely invaluable. So, And that gives us the very famous juxtaposition of Vyatsa and Vahaita, leaving his house and going to marry another man, in which many components of Gitin and Kiddushin get transferable to each other. And that's how we know, for instance, Kiddushin Bishtar, just like divorces with a star, kiddushin is with a star, etc. And now, when the second guy doesn't like her and writes Sefer Kritut, or he dies, then the original husband cannot take her back, and we already discussed what the reason for that is. We will pick it up in the next podcast with uh, the sixth Aliyah, sorry, with the uh, with the sixth Aliyah. In the meantime, everybody should have a wonderful day.